Good morning. Uh, we've got three readings this morning, six and seven. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our next reading is from Jeremiah 33, verses 14 to 16, I believe. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And our last reading is from 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who are by God's power, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrew and um, it's my privilege to pastor here and to uh, share the word with you this morning. And um, as we've already seen this morning, we're at Advent. You know, and I just wanted to, um, just wanted to remind us or at least just acknowledge that we've been going through this, um, this uniquely reformed uh, mini-series. We're kind of dipping in and out of it. And some people ask me, is that finished now? Well, it's not finished. You know, I think there's a, a few more things that, that I would like to do. And uh, we're going to park it for a little while. That's what I'm calling it. We, we're parking uniquely reformed. We're not parking that we are uniquely reformed. We're going to stay reformed, right? But we're parking, talking about it for a little while. We still have a few to go. Perhaps next year, I want we are covenant children of God. And, and how does that play out? Looking at our confessions, what... What do our confessions mean and, and, and how do they help us to see who God is and how to apply what we understand to life? And then even looking at things like baptism. You know, are we right and they're wrong? 
or I'll leave it there. You know, we'll talk about things like that. So we've got a few more things coming up, but we're going to park that until next year because, believe it or not, it is Advent, and you've heard that a few times this morning, and that means that Christmas is just around the corner. And this is our first Advent Sunday. Christmas is coming. You know, the four weeks leading up to Christmas have us looking towards the birth of Jesus Christ. And we traditionally, and, and most of the time, we would ponder these four words, hope, joy, peace, and love. Um, those are words that describe what Jesus' birth would bring into the world when he was born back then, but also they describe what Jesus' birth brings into our world, the world, now. Um, and so it's really important that we actually have a bit of a look at them. Each of them describe for us what the birth of our Saviour gives us. Things that we have, things that we can find if we're not feeling them and we can experience or have in our lives because he came. And if you've been here for a long time, you might say, but we do them every year. Anyone thought that? Oh, we're doing it every year, you know. Um, and you might think, I got it last year. I understood it. We went through it last year. I've locked it in. I have it down pat. You know, and sometimes when we have these things in, in our church calendar where we do them every year, you kind of think, oh, gee, it doesn't seem that long ago that we did that. We lit the candles and the candles are getting more politically correct now. Did you notice we don't have wild flames anymore? The kids are really disappointed. They just can't wait to make fire. You know, they can't get to do that now. But, you know, I don't know about you, but I also store these truths up when we talk about them. And, and, and you know, every year we go through hope and, and joy and peace and love. And, and I store those truths up and I have them down pat only to discover that I leak during the year. And if there was a year where these truths were to be severely tested, these, these four words, well, I think for, at least for me, it was this last year. And so I find that it is important for us to look at these things. I think it's really important because I get them and I understand them and I, I enjoy singing about them and I enjoy hearing about them and, um, and, and just focusing on them. But during the year, I leak. And I think like no other Advent before, these words, hope, joy, peace and love, are more important than ever, more needed than ever. For us, for me, for you, but also for the world around us. Those that live next door, in Everard's case, you know, there's nothing more than for Paul to have hope as he meets his maker and understand the love of Christ. And these are words that our world needs. And my longing and, and our longing is to see, to really see the one who will save us. That longing is great. And it was like that long ago. Can you imagine the longing that they had to see the saviour? 400 years of, years of not knowing, are we still on track here? You know, is, is, is hope coming? And can you imagine that longing and when that hope came? So these words remind us of what the coming of our Saviour really means, what he would truly bring. And while they're things that we know intellectually, we've heard them before, it's good for us to place them in front of us as we move to I'm not sure. But there'll still be all the busyness of Christmas, won't there? How many people are thinking, are already kind of planning? You've got Cavell having Christmas, and I mean, it's, is it December yet when you're having Christmas? Not really, no. I mean, 
And, and, and who, how many of you are thinking ahead to all the stuff that's going to happen in Christmas? Who you've got to catch up with? What you've got to cook? What you've got to buy before the shops run out? <laughs> it's true. There is plenty of toilet paper nowadays, though. So, <laughs> But you know, all that busyness that comes with Christmas, family and holidays and end of year when you're finishing off the year at your work or you're finishing off the year in, in, uh, in your business or whatever you're doing, to stop and reflect on a child that was born more than 2,000 years ago in a small rural village who would alter the course of history. He would influence the world from that point on. You know, we count everything from that point on. Did you notice that even in our secular calendars? He would change everything from that point on. He would change the whole world, including yours and mine. In place of despair, he would bring real hope. In place of sadness, he would bring real joy. In place of the, dis- the destruction of lives, he would bring peace. And in a world where hate and disdain ruled, he would bring real love. Did you hear I say ruled? Because that was the world back then. But I could use that word now too. I could use rule now, couldn't I? Who didn't need that back then? And who doesn't need that today? You will have guessed from our candle lighting, but today our focus is on hope. The birth of Jesus brought hope into the world, real hope. I was thinking a little bit about hope, and I was thinking, so what do you do with hope? Hope is kind of like a worn-out word these days, isn't it? Uh, No one seems to have it anymore, nor does it seem that anyone really believes in it anymore either. Someone said recently, or I read recently, that, that we have hope fatigue. Anyone ever heard that? I mean, I've heard of decision fatigue, and I've heard of a... We have hope fatigue. We don't hope for much anymore because we're waiting for our hopes to be dashed. We have hope fatigue because so often our hopes are dashed. And particularly in the last year or two, think about it for a little bit. How many times did you hope something would happen? That you could have a hol- How many of you booked a holiday but only have to cancel it? Put your hand up. Yeah, exactly. How many of you hope that you're going to have a family gathering or an event only for it not to happen? Yeah. And so you, hope kind of is one of these things that you get fatigued because you, you don't have it anymore because you just don't dare to hope because it'll be dashed or you don't believe it anymore. And think about all the other things. I hope I get that job. I hope lockdown ends. How many of you have said that this year? And how many times? So how many, you know? I hope the government changes the rules. I've said that in the office every single day of the week. I hope that guy or that girl notices me. I hope I don't get sick. I hope my children are safe. I hope my children will stay safe. I hope it doesn't rain on my holiday. The one I've had to cancel three times and I can finally go on. (laughs) I hope the business makes money this year. I hope I don't lose my job in the current situation. Or I hope that our family Christmas goes well. You know when families get together? I hope that it all works well. And I'm sure that you could add a stack of things. I hope this, I hope that. You know, and so we don't only hope about the, the crisis situations, we're hoping all the time. 
And so it's a real, it's a bit worn out, that word, and it's a bit overused in the world. And, and, and it's even overused in the Christian world, isn't it? Think about it, you know, in, in the, the charity world. Hope for humanity. I did a bit of a Google search, but the pages went on, so I'm just going to give you a few. Hope for humanity. Hope for the children. One Hope Community Church. Bridge of Hope. Hope International. Hope Builders International. Wheels of Hope. Steps of Hope. I went on, there's some crazy ones in there, but I thought I won't. There's all sorts of... And it just seems like if you stick that word in it, it's going to do something. Why do you think that is? It's because it's what we all want. It's because it's one of the basic instincts, the basic desires of us as humans. We want hope. We want to be hope. We want to express hope. We want to see hope. It's what we need. In the micro, in, in our world, in our little world, in our little families or our inner world or, or our workplaces or wherever we are, but also in the macro. We want to see hope in the world. We hear of nations where there is no hope. We hear of nations that are, that are desperately without hope and, and we want that. The world lacks hope. Human beings are clamouring to fill their empty lives with stuff. And all while that's happening, there's still abuse, addiction, illness, broken relationships all around us. And we try in so many ways to manufacture our own hope, to hold on to it, to hang on to hope for a minute. Now, none of those hopes are wrong. You, know, you can hope that that girl or that guy notices you. You can hope that the family Christmas goes well. You, those hopes are not wrong. They're not misguided. They're not ungodly. And we do need hope. It's vital to our flourishing. It's how we flourish. And God even knows this. But perhaps we look for it in all the wrong places. And maybe we actually don't really know what we need. You know, in the book of Isaiah, in our first reading, we read a few verses is actually called a book of hope. Go figure. Read Isaiah and then call it a book of hope. But it's actually called a book of hope. And a lot of people raise their eyebrows when they read that or hear that because it's chock full of judgment. It's chock full of wickedness and God saying, you've done this, you've done this, you've done this, and I'm, I'm going to judge you for that. They had a tin ear. They didn't listen to God. They decided to turn their backs on God and, and to be rebellious. They committed huge injustices. Um, some of the stuff if you read in the history books, the things that they did, basically they alienated themselves from God. And that's what the prophet says. Now that's a pretty serious accusation, isn't it? You have alienated yourself from God. What is an alien? An alien does not belong. An alien is not recognised. A strong language. You have alienated yourself from God. And that created the need, need for all of Isaiah's pronouncements of judgment. But they were all declarations made in the hope. <laughs> you know, it's like trying to shock them that, that God's chosen people would return to him. And it's also known to be the book of the Old Testament with the most detailed and prophetic description of the birth, the coming and the life of Jesus. If you read through that, it almost is the, it is the Old Testament book that has the most detail about the Christ that's coming, of hope. It includes the full scope of his life, an announcement of his coming. Uh, it talks about the virgin birth, the, his, his sacrificial death. And it even talks about his return to claim his own. 
Why is that all in there? It's a testament of hope in the Lord, the one who saves his people from themselves. <laughs> they needed saving from themselves, not from any outside enemy. And our verses in the middle of the book, like they kind of end up in the middle because there's judgment. A wonderful declaration of hope and a promise. After all the judgment spoken, for unto us a child is born and he shall. And it goes on. Right, there's been a bunch of judgment and there's going to be more. But in the middle of that, there's a prophet brings that message of hope from God. Unto us, it's coming. The hope of salvation, because we all need it. But before we can have salvation, however, we must know that we have a need for it. And that's why Isaiah does that. They need to know that they need salvation. Before we can have real hope, we must know what kind of hope we need. And that's important for us as well. Jesus' birth was a great sign of that hope, the hope of salvation, the hope that we can be saved from ourselves, our own rebellion. And those of you that were listening into our um, uh, Five Points of Calvinism services will remember the whole total depravity thing. And it's amazing that Jesus is the hope of salvation, that we can be rescued from ourselves, our total depravity. And just like I said, I leak so did they. And so then we read in Jeremiah, things are not much bigger, not much better. Again, we see in Jeremiah, this was right about the time when they were about to be exiled to Babylon. Things were going to go south. I'm not sure if Babylon was technically south, but it's a saying, isn't it? Things were going to go south for God's people. Things were not going to look good. And just before they were exiled to Babylon, the prophet Jeremiah... And by the way, they were going to go to Babylon, they exiled for much of the same behavior before. They'd alienated themselves from God. They had, had not listened to God. They'd turned to other gods, etc. For the same, oh, how much we forget. That's why we've got to do hope every year, because we leak, we forget, don't we? And again, the prophet points to hope. The days are coming where a branch of David, Jesus, would come and deal with unrighteousness. If you read that, he, he's going to fix all the things that are broken and wrong. He would deal with unrighteousness. Sure, he's going to do all that, but it says he will bring salvation, hope. He won't just deal with unrighteousness. He won't just break it all off. He won't just cause it, leave judgment there to sit. He would bring hope. The prophet Jeremiah is saying, it isn't always going to be like this. Don't worry. Who doesn't need to hear that? Who doesn't need to hear, it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to look as dark as this. The Old Testament prophets knew that the birth of a saviour was coming. And he was promised and he would come bearing real hope. He would rescue people from themselves and this hope, he would come in the middle of sin and wickedness and misery and bring that hope. And that's why the prophets can talk about it right in the middle of the pain, right in the middle of everything that was going on. That's why they can speak of hope. And this is the hope that we're talking about for us today too. When we think of hope, that's the kind of hope. They pointed to the Saviour. We look back and see the Saviour who came. When we believers, we talk about hope. We don't mean 
a desire that might or might not be fulfilled. Like I hope, uh, I, hope I, I get that job or I, I, you know, I hope we, we get a nice house. Or When we talk about hope, we don't mean that desire. The hope we have leads to faith. It's real. It's certain because it's in a, a person. A hope of forgiveness, of reconciliation with God and a perfect, holy and eternal life. Because our hope is a person. It's not a dream we have. It's not a you know, kind of desire we have, we're, albeit good. Our hope, this hope we're talking about, is a person. This child of hope that we celebrate, that we're going to celebrate, he grew up, lived among us, lived a sinless life, died to pay the penalty for our sins, and then he rose from the dead so that we could rise with him to eternal life. Now that is full circle hope, isn't it? That is everything. Jesus was born into the world for believers to give hope, the hope of glory. So our hope is for the future, that we will be redeemed, that we are redeemed. But wait a minute, it's so much more than that. It's not just, um, our hope is not just pie in the sky for the future. It is that we are going to be redeemed. We are going to live in glory with God because Jesus came, because he is our hope. But it's not future only. And we're not just left languishing in the here and now, waiting for that to happen. Not at all. God the Father did secure our future through Jesus. That's true. But Jesus showed us much more. He came to show us much more than that. This baby was born and grew into a a man that would show us so much more. Hope is not just for the future. We can have hope for the present because Jesus came. Jesus told us that we're loved and we have a purpose. The cross itself communicates enormously how much we're loved. You know, you have to really love someone to get on a cross and die for them. Seriously, the cross itself. So Jesus told us we're loved now, right now. We matter. And that's the basic hope of every human being, isn't it? You know, you might hope for you know, a, a good job or, uh, or a nice vacation or holiday or whatever you have. You might hope for those things. But isn't the basic hope for every human that they be loved and that they have a purpose? Isn't that really? And that's what Jesus brought. Every human being, every kid wants to know that they're loved. Every young person wants to know that I'm loved and I'm accepted and and I have a purpose, I have a reason to live. Every person wants to know that. Isn't that the basic need that we have? Way beyond hoping for a nice holiday. That's what Jesus, Jesus brought that hope into the present. He showed us that we were loved and he told us that we have a purpose. He told us that hope is with us, didn't he? In the present. He wouldn't leave us alone. He said, I will not leave you alone. I will be Emmanuel, God. I'm going to do that again. Come on. Emmanuel, God, with us. I'm going to be with you in the present. I'm not just waiting for you to get to that place in the future. I'm God with you. Jesus said in John 16, he said to the disciples, I'm going, uh, but it's to your advantage. Can you imagine the disciples thinking, wait a minute. We're having quite a lot of fun here watching the miracles and all that sort of stuff. This is kind of cool. And we're walking around and thousands are coming and you know, we only need two, lo- two fishes and a couple of loaves and watch what we can do. Well, Jesus did it, but anyway. It, it, was, it was pretty good for them, wasn't it? But he says, it's your advantage 
that I leave. Why? Because then I will send a helper to indwell you. I'm going to be with you, present all the time. Hope is going to live in you. Hope with us right now. He stayed. He didn't go. And he showed us that he is hope. You see, we look at, at, at the birth of Jesus. Jesus doesn't just point to hope. Baby Jesus isn't just a sign of hope. He is hope. Hope has a name and his name is Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, isn't it? Christ in you today, present, now. This is our hope. And this hope, unlike worldly hope, won't be and can't be dashed. It can't be that vacation that you've got to cancel again and again because the rules keep changing. And wrong because the wrong person came and caused trouble. It can't be that, that job that you didn't get. This is a kind of hope that cannot and won't be dashed. Everything we've hoped on in society or do hope on has failed. This hope will not fail. It has not failed. This hope has rescued us from our futile hope. That's why I wanted us to read where Peter talks about that. He says it clearly. We now have a living hope that will never perish, spoil or fade. Look at it. We have that living, if we look at that text, if we, we have that living hope by God's power. That's now. That's, that's right now. We've, he's talking to those. And even though he goes on, even though he says there might be trials and there might be suffering and, and you've got to go through, you know, he says that in this you can rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various, tri various trials or you're going to be suffering a little bit. You still have that living hope. It will not be dashed because of that. And it will obtain, and he says at the end of that reading, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, it will happen. We have that hope now. You have that hope right now, today, through the work of Jesus. His purpose for being born, his death and resurrection for us. And what that means is that we have better things to come. Now, I know that that's become a little bit of a, a catchphrase, isn't it? Things are going to get better. You know, we're right in the middle of COVID now, but things are going to get better. And we all kind of, that's hope. That's how humans work. We always hang on to something. But this means that life is going to get better. Life may seem tough, pointless, and even fruitless at times. And sometimes people are even saying the best days are behind us. However, with God, the best is yet to come. Who says that all the time in this place? Yeah. With God, the best is yet to come. We are living with the expectation that with God, it is always going to get better. That's a kind of hope. The birth of this baby, our saviour, signifies. And if we will lift our eyes, if we will look to Jesus... When we, when we leak, when hope is not there, if we'll just lift our eyes and look to Jesus, we will see hope. And that's why we're encouraged at Christmas to look at this child that's born, to look at this baby in the manger, to look at Jesus. And that's why we say, because there is hope. We're encouraged to look. And we all need to see hope 
to go on, don't we? You need to see something to go on. There's a story of this, this young girl called Florence. And she was a swimmer. And Florence was attempting to swim in the ocean waters from Catalina Island to the California shore, which is an island just off California. <clears throat> she was swimming and it was a foggy day and the waters were really choppy. And her mother was in a boat beside her, cheering her on. You can imagine that, good mothers cheering her on. You can do this. To keep going despite the pain and the exhaustion. I'm flat out doing the 50 metre pool, I can hardly imagine, you know, especially with waves and everything. But she, her mother was cheering on to keep going despite her pain and exhaustion. Finally, Florence begged to be lifted out of the water. She could go no more. When the mist and the fog cleared after a few minutes, she saw that the shore was less than half a mile away. At a news conference later on, she said that all she could see in the moment was fog. And when she reflected, she felt, if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. We need hope in the fog of our lives, in pandemics and in more. Hope helps us withstand the pressures, the challenges, the losses and the demands, if we can just see it. Hope helps us to persevere, sometimes through unimaginable things, if we can just see it. Hope helps climbers continue up Mount Everest when everything within them wants to give up. Because climbers have their eye on the prize. They can see the summit. The joy that will come when they can... There's probably a stack of flags up there now, but when they can put the flag up there... And the good news is, guys, we have that hope. We can see it if we will lift our eyes up. Our prize, our joy is Jesus, our rescuer, our present saviour. We fix our eyes on our prize, Christ in us. And we're super privileged to know this kind of hope in a world that doesn't have much hope at all. And Paul tries to tell us how, how rich this makes us. And, and there's a little verse in, one Coloss in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Let me read it to you. He says, To them, which is us, he's talking about to them, the saints, the, the people who believe, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. How rich you are. Christ in you, and he goes on, the hope of glory. Paul wants us to know how rich it is, how rich we are, that we can have that hope, Christ in us. So this Christmas, as we, or this Advent, as we look at this baby Jesus, as we reflect on these words, as we look at Christ that came into the world, and today we look at hope, that's the kind of hope you have. It doesn't mean we stop hoping on earth. It doesn't mean you stop hoping for that job or, or, for, or for anything that you hope for. And there's nothing wrong with that. But those hopes can be dashed. Jesus brought a hope that will never be dashed. He promised to be with you now, hope in you now, and will be with you forever in glory. You know, as we finish today, we're going to finish, we're not going to finish with a song, but what I wanted to do before I finish off, you know, our human hopes 
are not bad, as I've said. Our human hopes are real. And, and the Bible often talks to us about bringing our hopes to the Lord, bringing our hopes to Jesus, talking about what we hope for, bringing our hearts to God. That's called relationship. And so our human hopes are acknowledged in the Bible, that we have them, but we're to bring them to him. Our human hopes are worthwhile. Jesus knows that we're human. Jesus knows that, that we have hopes and that we need those hopes as we live in earth. But we're called to bring them to him. We're called to bring them before him. Now, you probably have a lot of hope sitting here. You know, it could be around Christmas, it could be around your holidays, it could be around a family thing, it could be around sickness, it could be uh, for somebody else. It, I'm not sure, it could be for a bunch of things. So what I want to do, I just want to give us a couple of minutes. I'd like you to just be in groups of three, getting groups of three, and I want you to share with that group one hope that you have, one human hope. You can be really, really, really spiritual and say, I hope to be with Jesus in the future. Glory to God. We'll accept that. Give us one of these hopes, you know, a hope that you have, just to share one hope that you have with the group. And then together, I just want you to pray and bring them hopes to God. The Bible calls us to bring our hope to him, to the one who is hope. And so I'd like us just to do that together. Just give you a couple of minutes to do that with two other people. And then I'm going to close off. Yeah, good. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we... Lord, as we bring these prayers to you, we know that we don't bring prayers to an empty place. Lord, we, we, we have human hopes. We have things that we hope for, things that we desire, things that we lay before you. We know that you hear them and we thank you for it. But Lord, we thank you most of all for the gift of hope that came more than 2,000 years ago from you for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. That he would redeem us and give us a hope for glory forever. But that he would also promise to live in us and be our present, our ever-present hope in the world that we live in. Lord, help us never to lose sight of that. When we leak, when things um, get um, bleak and we can't see it, Lord, lift our eyes to you. Help us to see you, to look for you. Help us we need to be Hope for another person. Help us to be that, to be your hands and feet. God, we thank you for hope. We thank you that it's real. It's based on someone real and that it matters. In Jesus' name, amen.